0: Support for Podcast By Night comes from Midnight Syndicate. To find out more about their gothic horror instrumental music, please visit midnightsyndicate.com. Welcome, everybody, to Podcast by Night. This is John. I'm Jen. And for this, finally, special episode that we are going to start in our new series of clans, we have brought Mr. Patrick Thomas back. Say hello. Hello. He's going to help us talk about our first clan, the, alphabetically, I believe it's also the first clan, the mysterious Asimites.
1: So mysterious.
0: That's right. So I'm very excited to finally be getting into our clans segment uh the asamite are a particular favorite of mine they've also they were probably the second clan i've ever played in, in my my long and storied history of the game
1: oh really that's interesting
0: oh yeah we i it was such a, so long ago we never really talked about it
1: uh-huh. oh back in the old ancient days when dinosaurs were on the earth
0: Oh yes, yes, the ancient days when Cain still was a threat and if you killed your sire you could save your soul.
1: That yeah, no, that that doesn't work, John. No, I'm sorry. Hey,
0: I know that,
2: but you know, some people still might believe that. Uh interestingly enough, I've actually never played an asimite. I uh have always had to though, run such environments for them, and they're the primary antagonist for lots of things. And now that they're a Camarilla clan, I've had to do so much research on running them and storytelling for other people. But I've actually never personally been able to play an Aspite.
1: I actually never knew that about you.
2: Me either. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually
0: kind of surprised. I thought you, you're the guy that's played every, at least once every clan. I,
2: I played them as NPCs. I've never actually been able to play one as a PC. I, th- I think the the first thing that we probably should talk about before we get into this whole aspect in the list is there are so many different interpretations of Asimites throughout the years. When you look at the very first book, when you look at everything, you're going to then see things are going to change. So, the interpretation we're going to give, we're going to give a lot of different pieces, and you're going to see a lot of different aspects. But we're gonna to try to give you the best way that we can when you go to a LARP in the way that By Night Studios is going to be, but understand that all of its interpretation and you may have a storyteller that has a different view of some of the things we're talking about.
1: Exactly. So one of the things you need to keep in mind with Clan Asimite, this is a clan that historically in White Wolf for oh up until the last 20 years, it was actually an outsider clan. It was an independent. They were a clan that lived outside of kindred society. Very few people knew anything about them. Um, And now in the last 20 years in modern night, suddenly they have come out of the shadows and are a member of the Camarilla and are making a place for themselves in the ivory tower. This makes them kind of an interesting clan, in my opinion, because they have been outsiders for so long. And now they're fitting into the Camarilla and what does that look like? And, and how do they go about that, especially when, for centuries, they were antagonists to the Camarilla?
2: How it comes about with the uh, aspect of now that they're in the Camarilla, a lot of uh, different changes have kind of occurred with them. It, to even get to where they are tonight, I think we need to talk a little bit about where they came from.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I'm just very interested in that dynamic with Clan Asamite of, you've been the outsiders. You're now on the inside, so how does that even work? And I think that's one of the most interesting and dynamic um, aspects of Clan astomite and playing it in the Camarilla. Like, why would you want to play an asmite? This is why, because you have gone for centuries being the outsiders, the antagonists, spies. You are now on the you've cu- you're the people who who've come in out of the cold. Essentially, you've come out of the cold. You're now part of the Camarilla. Now, how do you make it work?
0: One of the things I find fascinating about that is that, like you said, it's only been in the last twenty years that they've joined up. They've they've made inroads into the ivory tower. They said, "Hey, Camarilla, we want to be your friends." Uh, instead of the boogeyman, it's like, like you said about the mystery of them. It's there are so many. Being the newest member of the Camarilla, they have. There's probably still a lot of social norms that they don't quite understand. They come from a completely different so- section of the globe than many of the member clans of the Camarilla. So how do you deal with that? It's it's fascinating to see this this sort of like you said it's the outsiders coming in, being made part of the group, the the clique, the ch- the friends, and and how does that dynamic work? Because you're going to have people that probably within the past 50 years were brought up and taught a certain way, and they're going to sort of – they're they're going to clash with the the uh, traditions, some of the, the long-held ideas that some people in the Camarilla might have for their city.
2: I think when a, a really great example of that is in the game that many of us who are in this podcast are playing. The Asimites didn't know the Camarilla law, so all of them had to learn it, and because they all had to learn it, they all became Camarilla scholars for the Camarilla law. Well, other people who've been doing it for generations never took the time to actually learn it. And that moment of everyone else has just the history and the connections. And since time immemorial, my uh, Malkavian forefathers have been here. And an astamite has to be, well, I I learned it. I know what I'm doing. I have a right to be here instead of we have this huge legacy and this background to protect us. Yeah, I love
0: that. That's a great, uh, especially as a player Dealing with that character, like say that, you know, I'm Johnny Gangrel and I was brought up one way with the traditions and in this particular city, say in Los Angeles, eh, I got a little leeway here. I can stretch this there. But then I've got my Asomite buddy coming in. And like you said, they're suddenly tradition scholars. They read me the riot act for, you know, trying to bend it a little here and suddenly there's some conflict there it's like oh oh crap he's calling me out in front of everybody and he's not
2: wrong I think a great example of that also is the Camry very much sees the Asimite all as these assassin like warriors and the Asimites that joined them were not that
1: yes
0: oh yeah absolutely I can't wait guys you're just when we dive into these uh, the different casts of this clan it's you're going to want to run out and play an Asimite I'm just saying I'm just saying okay so enough of that (laughs) <laughs> Let's get into the idea that the the history, I guess. we got to start from the beginning.
2: So one of the key kind of things about Asamites is, unlike a lot of clans, they had their founder with them and close to them for a large period of their history. And it wasn't like, oh, those antediluvians are kind of out there and whatever. It was like, no, the antediluvian lives down the block. And they were able to have that kind of influence and connection And this vampire, his name was Hakim. And there's a lot of mysterious aspects. Is Hakim second generation? Is he third generation? Is he have all this other craziness with him? But one thing that is undoubtable is that he gathered his people, he kept them together, and through that they had a very unified society that was almost like a sect. Right. This is one
0: theme that I actually, just a quick tangent, that I find in a lot of the independents that aren't part of the Camarilla is that they they know exactly where they came from, and the Assamites are are no exception. Like like Patrick said, they they grew up with great you know great granddaddy Hakeem.
2: But like out of all the other independents, they either lost their founder after a period of time, um, either very early with the Setites or kind of halfway through with the the Giovanni. And the Asamites it kind of gives the impression that they were there. They have they had constant communication for a majority of their time period.
0: Right, and because of the role that. Hakeem played in Vampiric Society, he also arranged his childer to reflect the different, I guess, beliefs or interests. Well, how would you say that he, uh, when he broke it up, like, cast-wise,
2: what, what was the impetus? Well, if you think, like, kind of, that they were a sect amongst themselves, that the, unlike other vampires who were in these societies, either by being exiles or being pushed around, they had to kind of do everything... Under the sun, so to speak, or under the night. And in that doing everything under the night, they took the three aspects that Hakeem saw in himself, and they had people who would focus on those ideals. And those ideals were uh, being a warrior, being a sorcerer, or being a judge.
0: Oh, and okay. And those three eventually grew up into the three castes of Clan Asimite.
2: Now, book-wise, over time... There's been a lot of mechanical aspects on how the uh, societies broke apart, but for the most part, if what we said, take it as kind of standard, understand that there is a little bit of hop between what Viziers were and how it's changed over time. What we're saying is kind of the end game. Remember that in a lot of things we're talking about.
0: Right, right. We're definitely coming at it from the information that you will have heard coming into this game now. Mm Okay. Okay. So, Jen, what's next?
1: You kind of hit on this a little earlier, uh, John, is the fact that the Asimites, they do have a very... For all the Camarilla clans, they're very unique in that they do kind of have a a relationship with their clan founder. Now, Hakim has not been seen in a long time. And no one knows what happened to him. No one knows where he got to. It's been more recently than most other clan founders. But the Asimites still... Define themselves by their relationship to Hakim, and most other Camarilla clans do not. So it's a little weird. It is a little weird. It's to other Camarilla clans. It's a little weird, but it's that definition of their relationship to Hakim and their understanding of who and what Hakim was that is a defining characteristic of what it means to be an Asamite, because their belief in Hakim and him being this morally upright righteous individual this judge among the other vampires that's how they define themselves as a clan that is their entire identity as asamites
0: i mean even in the courts of the ashira they go they call themselves the Bani hakim or the children of hakim i mean it's in it's in their name that they they hold so dear to this this um identity
1: yeah, I mean, Assamite actually is not the name they use to call themselves. Asamite's a Cameria term, and that's loaded with a lot of um, presuppositions and preconceived notions and, and racism because, oh my gosh, the Cameria is racist. So it's the Cameria that's called them Asamite. They call themselves the children of, of Hakim. And it's that relationship that makes the Asamites very different from almost every clan you will fo- find in the Cameria.
0: Now, you said before about the, the moral uprightness that they attribute to Hakim, and they try to uh, emulate that as they go through the nights. They sort of see themselves, I guess, as the, the, the compass of the kindred, uh, I guess now also uh, as a point of conflict in the Macamaria. They would, they would say that they're the voice of the moral rectitude in a society filled with lust, desire, and greed.
1: Ah, uh, you know, all you vampires who are just like horrible, horrible, morally, morally vacuous individuals. Yo,
0: oh, you decadent, decadent kindred.
1: Clan ass mites here to, to save your souls. I mean, wait, what? Oof. You will find that amongst the Bani Hakim, the, the, the Assamites, there is a certain level of, there, there are more of them who have a certain level of religiosity. And not everyone will. Some of them, especially some of the more warrior types, may not go down the slime, but they do have, they, there is this aspect of a faith that many of them do still hold on to. And you'll find in the Camarilla, uh, because of many of the events that have happened in the last 20 years, most of the Assamites you will find will be more religiously bent. So they will be Muslims or Jews or Christians or even ancient faiths that existed before the Judeo-Christian Abrahamic faith existed. So there is, you'll find in the Assamites, this, this level of, um, of adherence to a code of ethics and an ideal that sometimes you don't always find in the other clans. So
2: why is it that they have a greater religiosity other than just their own moral code? Is it, it, because obviously there's like La who are Catholic and there are other kind of clans that kind of espouse that they have kind of particular faiths is it it's any faith and it's any kind of concept there's not there's no rhyme or reason because in early books i imagine they were all just seen as the muslim boogeyman
1: you know and and this is this is where jen gets a little bit of a rant because i had such an issue with that in the early books yeah i feel like in the early on in white wolf they thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool to have some, like, Middle Eastern assassin vampires? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah! And they really just kind of relied on stereotypes and tropes. I mean, this was the early 90s. And uh, they just kind of slapped this plan together based off of, like, uh, history books and some, like, uh, you know, really cool movies that they watched. Um... And it shows because, wow, is there some really bad stereotyping, especially when you look at Clan Asamite 1, the first Clan Asamite book. You're like, oh, I mean, there wasn't women in it. There were no females in it. People are like, what, there are no female Asamites? I mean, what the heck? I feel like over the years when they're like, oh, maybe we did the bad thing. They felt like you know, oh, there's actually culture in the Middle East? You mean Muslims have like, you know, thought and intellect and and all this amazing stuff out there we can mine for for this clan? What? Then they finally started pulling it together for Clan Asamite. And in a way it it's kind of felt a little a little slapdash because everyone got in their head that Asamites were a clan of um, of warrior assassins, a la Assassin's Creed. Now there's this whole aspect of Hakim and and the faith, and that Hakim was seen as a righteous warrior and judge amongst the people of of Cain, and that you know that each of these the Athamites are continuing that legacy, and that their righteousness to to whatever faith they adhere to is part of what has drawn them into the clan and. I, I can see where they're going with it, but I admit, even I'm a little like, wow, I feel like you guys just kind of threw that one together.
2: I, I, if I can give a different interpretation, but agree with a lot of what you're saying.
1: I, I'm, I'm going to give them
2: a little bit more leeway. I feel that they intentionally felt that the Camarilla was this icon of European Western society, and we're going to take the fears of European Western culture, and the idea of islamic invasion through the growth of that western society and we're going to essentially put a bag and we're going to call that the fear and clan astamite is the fear
1: i i I believe it's a fair assessment
2: and when you think that the uh, the history of what occurred and the the revolt and the, the pushing down of these aspects and the pushing of Westernism across the world, it, the first book we get is just the fear. And as we as a culture begin to try to understand more of what scares us, I think we begin to understand a little bit of the depth of Assemites instead of just, it was all racism and silliness. I think it, it, it's, it's a mirror of us. It's a mirror of the idea of if you're Viennese, you're going to be just as worried about this kind of Muslim push. If you're a Viennese elder through all this time, you're not going to care what their societies mean. (laughs) You're not going to care that they have these grand opinions. You're going to feel they're the warriors from the Middle East that are here to jack me up.
1: Well said.
0: I agree. I definitely can see... Uh, Both sides of that argument, because on the one hand, it was (laughs) it's Patrick. I I definitely, um, I I thank you for giving them that benefit of the doubt, because as, as uh, we listened to a, a a sister podcast that I love to listen to the 25 years of vampire, the masquerade retrospective, they actually reviewed both books and commented on that very thing that the first one was definitely sort of the, as you said, the slapdash, this is the boogeyman, this is what we're afraid of. And then the second edition was definitely more of the, you know what, let's dive a little deeper into this. We've done a little done our homework. We realized the Holy Land and the Middle East is rife with culture and and richness that we have to integrate that. So I mean, kudos to them for even attempting it.
2: But then you have to give a plot reason why no one knew all this Absolutely. already. Absolutely. And the plot reason for that is the warriors were the only people who progressed beyond the general borders of the Middle East and the Islamic world. And these warriors are the Sword of Cain, they are the children of Hakeem, they are the nature of this justice that needs to be uh, impacted to the rest of the world. And because they had to kind of backtrack in why does everyone only know the spooky, only the spooky people get to go outside in the grand scheme of things, and the mysterious aspects stay close. So, and then why do they have to be so monstrous? They have to say, they can't just be bad. You can't just have, oh, well, that guy's bad, because he's bad, because everyone's just bad. It doesn't work like that. They have to actually say that there's something biologically wrong with these people that make them terrible to pump up Jen's uh, racial cues on their badness. Uh, Grumble, grumble, uh, grumble. What they say is that these vampires are addicted to the vitae of other vampires and hungers to Diablo.
0: Right, I, I believe, like, during the Dark Ages is, in you know, as you said, history is written by the winners. Uh, during the Dark Ages, when they were facing these warriors, I mean, for all we know, that Diablorus, the, the dark cult aspect of the, the Eurocentric view of the Asimites, stems from the idea that some of these older elders remember possibly being held in judgment by some of the Asamites. They're like, well, what did I do? I'm, do- I'm just doing me, man. I'm, I'm a Ventrue, and I'm just I'm doing my thing, and you're coming down on me thinking, oh, you shouldn't have so many ghouls. Well, who are you? So they kind of, you're right, they have to demonize this group of, of the righteous, the upright, to sort of also make their children... Uh, afraid, child are afraid of them. So they create those stories, those mysterious tales of a strange Middle Eastern Diabolus cult that's going to steal you in the night and drink all your blood, and then and that's it. So if you come
2: across them, you better tell me about it. And why are Diabolus, other than just being judges, kind of also comes from this utter absolute worship of wanting to be like Hakim. And if you want to be like Hakim, you're about more like him if you're third gen than if you're 13th gen. <laughs> So, it's uh, if you go get that uh, vitae out there that is other people's. Hakeem's going to be happy with that because you're going to be more like him.
0: Well, all this talk about the the warrior cast. Let's let's dive into those casts. Let's let's talk about the factions. Uh, first of all, the the Asamites are not all assassins or warriors. In fact, that's only one faction of the clan, and there are three. As we as you've heard us say, uh, casts. You have the warriors, sorcerers. And the judges, I guess, which will become the Viziers. So why don't we start with the the Warriors, the ones everybody knows about?
1: Well, the Warriors are, quite simply, they're the sword of Hakeem. They are the ones who execute the justice. And like Patrick said, they're the group that the West knows the most about. Because that's the one they've encountered the most. They're the ones that got to go outside and got to interact with the Camarilla. So the Camera just assumed everybody was like the Warriors. Um the Warriors definitely do suffer from the weakness for vamp- Vampiric Vitae. They're addicted to it. I mean, if you look at an aura of a Warrior, you, they're, you're going to see that they've consumed Vampiric Vitae. Even if they, they've... Depending on which version you're looking at, even, some of them say even if they've never Diablerized anyone, you still can tell. They're, they hunger it. Part of that is, well, they kind of had a little bit of a curse laid on them a long time ago. A little bit of a whammy that curse is part of where they they at least attribute the bloodlust from and this was given vent like in full force during the anarch revolts the, the the original anarch revolts in the middle ages because when the anarch when the anarchs decided to go against the elders there's chaos in the streets the warriors are like hey you want to off your sire you pay me enough money i'll go take care of the problem for you they just gave vent to their bloodlust, and that terrified the elders that would eventually form the Camarilla, because they're like, Asamites are crazy people who will come in the night or, or even, the you know, arrange to have you kidnapped during the day and then drink you dry. Uh,
2: on that point, just because I, I know that it, when I'm running all this, Asamites have got her cursed a lot. So when they say they got the curse, imagine there's a few. There's a <laughs> it, few. It's it, they don't they don't get out unscathed in all these fights against bad guys, and so the the curse for vampiric vitae is a curse from ancient ancient days,
1: old times,
2: old times. But if uh, they're definitely someone, can I even have another spoonful of curses, please? <laughs> yeah,
1: they get they get the whammy left, right, and center. Poor
0: asamites.
1: Well, you know, if they weren't poking around in the thing, they wouldn't get right. the whammy.
0: All right, so it. As with each of these sects, or these, these factions, they have a leader, and the leader of the warriors is the Caliph. Or is it a, a Caliph?
1: It's a, it's a it's just A, a Caliph. Caliph. Yeah. They have a leader named a Caliph, and they advise the eldest of all the aspirants. That's who it is. So basically, they have a ritual challenge, and whoever wins, you get to be the leader of the warriors. Yeah, Well, that's
2: how very warrior of them. Yes. I know, yes. right? So, the second cast is the sorcerers. And because there can't be enough blood magic in the World of Darkness, the sorcerers are the Asimite blood sorcerers who have a power called Duron Ka. And Duran Ka, unlike the Tremere blood magic or other types of blood magic, deal with making packs with nature spirits and things like that, kind of similar to the Shemisei, But in a unique fashion, it's much more like think of flying carpets and Aladdin and not uh, Eastern European uh, bogs and moors kind of thing.
1: A whole new world. I mean, wait, sorry. It's It's all Aladdin.
2: All Aladdin. Now, there's very few sorcerers just because if they had a lot of them, the idea is they probably would have ruled the world. They have just enough and they're incredibly hyper focused on what they want. And a lot of kind of role-playing opportunities you can have is their blood magic is increased by the smoking or ingesting of um, blood that's been laced with a drug called Khalif, And this is a kind of, it opens up their expansion to other dimensions to speak to these other creatures.
1: Like dropping acid, y'all.
2: And the leader of them is called the Amir, which is the most powerful sorcerer and... The nature of the Emir has kind of been he's the guy until that guy's in torpor, and then they kind of just decide amongst themselves. It is never really like a conflict or a fight, it's one guy's obviously the leader amongst them in their own magical trainings,
0: right? And the sorcerers they also have their own telltale uh, it's not really a weakness, but they're driven to seek mystical power, and that. Drive shows up in their aura, so you can't really hide what you are either,
2: right. The obsession to gain more ask, gain more power, gain more magical knowledge is a constant drive inside of them
0: and last but not least, the viziers. this is a
2: cast that is few really know about uh they're the ones who were not necessarily as well known, but they were still common enough. They are now the most prevalent in the Camarilla. They were uh, the diplomats, the scholars, the artisans. These were always the background planners and plotters. It's like you can't have a classic Saladin without having the the artist, the poet, and all of the other connections to that. Um, because they have such a diversity, almost kind of like if you almost mixed a tort or an adventure together, they have to add a little bit of spice to that and the spice they adds a the little bit of Melkavian to it. They're all incredibly obsessed in the particular passion that they are dealing with. Um, This passion or study or connection can change over centuries, but for the most part, it is that driving mania that makes them become the best at what they can do. And it kind of has that representation of, well, Hakeem was good at everything, so I'm going to be like Hakeem because I'm going to be good at one thing. If I could be the best at that, then I can start moving on to something else.
1: Got to do all the things. All all the things. Very, very well. Catch them all. Got to catch them all. all. (laughs) So, yes, the Viziers, they are, they're very OCD. (laughs) They're hyper-focused. And... I play a vizier in the game we're in right now. It's it you're right. I think the venture and torridor analogy works really well cuz they they are the the artisans and the scholars. They want to do all the things and they're led by a vizier, the vizier, not just a vizier, the vizier. And that's the most knowledgeable and the most scholarly of all of the viziers. And the person who can perhaps marshal the cast and all their talents the best
2: to add our first uh, Game of Thrones pun, he knows things and drinks holes. Ha ha
1: ha! Oh, it's not, a, it's not a podcast by night episode without at least a Game of Thrones reference.
0: No, but, but it is a reference to one of my favorite characters, so you know, I'll, I will allow it.
2: <laughs> so while we have all these casts, is there another type of hierarchy that kind of exists in the Asimites?
0: Yes, there is the eldest, who is also known as the old man in the mountain.
1: So the Eldest is, they're the person who's in charge of all of Clan Astomite. They're usually known as the old man in the mountain. They've taken the position of leadership of the entire clan now that Hakim has wandered off because someone has to be in charge. So the Eldest serves as the person directing the, all the activities of the clan and they're advised by what's called the Duat. And the Duat is made up of the three leaders of each of the sects. So between those like four vampires they are the leaders of Clan Asimite.
2: Now, it's also important to know that the Eldest and the Old Man of the Mountain for multiple, multiple centuries, um, they kind of imply at least a thousand years have always been warriors. They've wanted it to get... There's been elections to try to get other people in, but because the warriors mathematically outnumber everyone else, it has always been very hard for even the smarter or the more powerful sorcerer to essentially beat... The guy who is the biggest beat stick,
0: right? But with the idea of the duat, at least they have counsel from the other cast.
2: That is the hope, and maybe we'll find out that didn't wasn't necessarily so great. Uh oh! Spoiler alert. Uh oh. You may have noticed, though, that all Asimites have, like, particular kind of weaknesses. It's either the focus obsession on their thing, it's whether the obsession of Diablery, it's the obsession with, with Magical. The idea of it all is all the children of Hakim suffer this aspect of obsession, and they try their best almost to kind of cover this up as, no, 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 we're not obsessed, we're not bad, guys, you know, we're just trying to be like Hakeem who is a mythical figure and can do anything and was like cooler than all of your guys. Yeah. And you know, your founders were crappy compared to that. So yeah, we're just so, we got to be cool. We got to be the best. And that kind of drive pulls them really forward. Is there any other particular flaw, gen that they have?
1: Uh, the older they get, the darker they get, which is pretty much the opposite of every other vampire in existence.
0: Right. But this just isn't darker, right? It's like,
1: Black. No, black. Yeah, so most other vampires, the older you get and the less humane you get, the pa- more pale you get. The asimites, on the other hand, the older they get, the darker they get. And we're not talking, like, brown or dark, dark, like, cocoa color. No, they get ebony black, like jet black. This, is for the most part, is a gradual thing. So younger asimites will retain maybe their natural skin tone for a little while but the older you get the darker and darker you get and that's kind of tricky when you're trying to hide amongst humans because no human, I mean no human is the color that an asimite eventually turns so that can be a little bit of a problem.
0: Have they ever um, this is to both of you, have they ever come up with they being white wolf uh, a reason for this?
2: Yes, but it's it's a deep story, and it kind of goes into – I'm going to try to do this kind of as quickly as I can. In an asamite book, there was actually parts of the Assemite book that were not published that the writer actually chose to tell people what was to be that chapter. And so as he had – all that chapter was approved, and that aspect was essentially going to be in the book, but they only removed it due to page size – you kind of get an idea from that, uh, the darkness of, of one of the particular people and that a lot of this darkness probably comes from the Baylike curse when they were fighting wars of infernalism in an ancient day. And how that kind of, that before that they weren't necessarily that way, but after that they are.
0: Oh, okay. So it's kind of like a sort of mark on their being to reflect that they, that they did this thing, that they fought
2: the great fight against the infernal. Um, that more like the Infernal fought back. Oh, it was, it was that you, the Infernal beat, you beat the Infernal and in the lash out of it, it was this wound upon the soul of your blood. Ah,
0: so the, yes, so you hold yourselves up to be these, this pantheon, this guardian of humanity, well, slowly but surely, they're going to see who you really are. Right. And
2: people who are theoretically closer to that original connection become darker quicker. Ah. The only reason we know this, by the way, is in that chapter is there's actually a person who's embraced, goes out, comes back, and is black. And so that's where all this data comes from. (laughs) Wow, that's,
0: that's, that's some really good extrapolation. Yeah. All right, so this differentiation in the cast also leads to a differentiation differentiation in the disciplines as well. Uh, while the Asamites all have the rare gift of quietus, qui, quiet, quietus? Quietus. 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 Uh, well,
1: that's the Latin pronunciation. Most people say quietus, but, you know, I'm the one who's particular over here. No,
0: no, I'll go with the Latin quietus. All right, we'll just say quietus. Screw it. Yeah. <laughs> This is the most well-known among the uh, anybody outside the clan. But because of this, um, they also have differences in how they use that special power. Um, they also differ in other disciplines for their chosen pursuits based on the cast. Like the the warriors, they prefer the combination of celerity, which we know is for speed, obfuscation, which hides you, it clouds the mind, it can make you look like other people, and quietness which aids in their stealthy attacks, their, their stabby, stabby assassin abilities.
2: Now, the sorcerers um, also have the Durankar Asamoid sorcery that gives them a particular kind of blood magic aspect. In By Night Studios, you just use normal thaumaturgy. That's um, funk! Well, <laughs> there's rumors that you're going to get that in BNS2 that they're going to actually elaborate on the idea of the different paths. Woo-hoo. Now, while they do have a modified quietus, all the modifications other than warrior do not exist in BNS. That was an aspect from lore of the clans in Vampire Twenty, where they actually said if they've had these centuries being apart, there should be. It makes no sense for the warrior to do the same thing the sorcerer is doing. But the idea is that everyone's quietus is a little different in the way that they would use it. So at least if you're role-playing it, try to kind of expand a little bit on that. And that the warrior, he may be constantly making a a silent area so he can shoot a, a sniper rifle. And you're making a silent area so you can go have a private conversation with someone. Excellent. Excellent bit of advice.
1: Just like the other two, the viziers have their own their own discipline combination they use because they don't do the same things as the warriors and, and the sorcerers. So quietness for them is used much more in the diplomatic sense. Like you could actually make a real cone of silence guys. That makes me so excited. Uh, you can, you can create a bubble of silence around yourself to have a conversation. You can kind of ease things when you're in t- diplomatic talks with people. So they use quietus very differently than a warrior who's like, I need a code of silence so I can stab someone.
0: Right. And then they also do have the same celerity as the warriors. But instead of obfuscate, they get auspics, which makes sense. I mean, the
2: viziers are trying to see the truth of things, right? Well, I always saw it as much more that it helps them communicate diplomatically. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm able to have those connections with foreign people. I don't necessarily know the language. I might get telepathy. Oh, I'm trying to calm you down. I read your aura. I know what kind of emotional state you have. It's I don't I don't walk over my own words because I'm able to kind of perceive what's going on.
1: And you also don't, You can see when other people are trying to fool you.
2: Now, while these centuries have kind of occurred with all of this warrior kind of united front, they uh, had a home that they all kicked it in. And uh, this home was called Alamut. And it's somewhere in Turkey, um, is kind of the impression it's given. It's there with
1: Noah's Ark.
2: It's there with Noah's Ark. (laughs) Now, um, while they were kind of like united in this kind of scenario, was everyone kind of getting along in their happy little uh, secret of home?
1: (laughs) What do vampires ever get along, really? I mean, do they ever get along?
0: Well, and when you've got three casts, you know, kicking it in the same mountain, tensions will flare.
1: Yeah. I mean, warriors have a different angle than viziers do, than sorcerers do. So, of course, they there was a lot of tension going on. We kind of covered this a little earlier. Like, the warriors, you know, they have a bloodlust. During the Anarch Revolts in the Middle Ages, they were like, hey, we can... We can go slack ourselves on the chaos that's going on in Europe, and the Camarilla, who were born out of the Anarch revolts, remember this, and they saw that, and they just kind of assumed all Asamites were like that. Yeah, that was not necessarily a good thing for all the Clan Asimite.
0: Because striking fear into the you know newly formed Camarilla is like, hey, what do we do? Who can help us? Enter Clan Tremere.
1: Bum 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 bum. bum
0: the saviors of the Camarilla.
1: part of what happens is that as the Camarilla is coalescing, there's this young upstart clan called Clan Tremere. And the Camarilla is deathly afraid of the Asamites. They're coming in, they're diabolizing elders. They want to put a check on the Asamites to make them stop. So in order to do so, Clan Tremere raises their hand and says, I cannot fix this. And through their blood magics are able to lay a curse on the entirety of clan Asamite.
0: This curse is the one thing that has since time immemorial, most, you know, even Kimaria scholars think they know it all is, is the one thing that everybody attributes to their, what's the word the uh, a stale, not stalemate armistice. The idea that vampiric blood has become poisonous to all of them.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't say time immemorial, but yeah. definitely not- since the, the convention of thorns. Oh, but this is
2: the team. way it's always been right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think the easier way to think about it is the Tremere. Everyone was saying, oh, God, Tremere, you guys are the worst people on Earth. You diabolize so lot, and you're a bad guy. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I may be bad, but there's somebody worse than me. That guy, his name's Asimite. He won't call yes. himself Asimite. That's how bad he is. He doesn't even like being called that bad name. So I'll help you cut, cut back that bad guy from doing bad things. And then I'm with the good guys, right? We're the good guys. Clan Tremere here. Now, the idea that they couldn't drink vampiric blood created some kind of weird quandaries. So they couldn't, like, put it in their mouth, and it would burn them, and it would be problematic. But for some reason, like, right after that, all the astomites started going around and saying, hey, we'll do all these jobs for you in exchange for vampiric blood. And was like, huh? Uh, so you can't drink it, and you don't have any blood sorcerers, do you? No, no blood sorcerers. Okay. Uh, um, absolutely. Uh-uh. Okay, so this alien ain't going to get back to me? Honest. Ain't going to get back to you. And uh, so they took lots of blood and they were able to do rituals to kind of help them progress where they're going. But it was a crippled clan. And it was a crippled clan until a particular moment. Eugene, would you like to go into that moment?
1: Yes. So it was crippled until the moment that the, um, el- the Methuselah or Shulgi woke- awoke. We don't know much about him. He just kind of appeared one day, about 20 years ago. Um, He was very old. He's very powerful. He claimed to be a child of Hakim, like one of his direct descendants. Like, Hakim made him. He just shows up and begins ordering people around. He says that Hakim sent him... To bring the clan back into the old ways, to return it to order, to uh, restore the the old paths of diablerie, and and to remove the clan from its veneration of these mortal religions, so Christianity and Islam and Judaism, like all these faiths that so many Assamites still actually followed, he was like, "That's just blasphemy. You need to come back to the fold of of Clan Asamite and following." Hakim, and by following Hakim, I mean following what I tell you Hakim said. So, Rasmites who felt that their faith was very important, that, you know, their faith is part of what informed their role as judges and mediators in kindred society, that this was unthinkable. I mean, they were being told they could not, they could no longer follow their faith. But here was the big breaking point. I mean, it's one thing when some like, Every crazy old guy shows up and says, Haha, now you all have to listen to me. But he backed his claim up because he managed to break the Tremere curse.
2: Now, was Urshel Ghee a, uh, was he a sorcerer? So we're kind of going back to that, like, bad, like, text that we don't know how true it is. <laughs> Because that is essentially the history of him and his youth is that missing text. It was essentially, he he is a sorcerer in the fact of he does have ludicrously powerful blood magics. He, where those blood magics come from may not be the happiest place. Oh, ho, ho.
1: yeah. We don't know where he got it or how he got to be so powerful. But he was able to break a Tremere curse that had been on the clan since... The 1400s. Yeah. A centuries long curse from uh, the Tremere that had inhibited the entire clan. He just pretty much like snapped his fingers and bam, it was gone. So with that, I mean, of course, obviously the fact that he could just do that when for centuries nobody could do that. And it frees the Asomites of one of their main shackles. You know, the one thing that crippled them. I mean, people were going to listen. And so he dismantled the Duat. He took all the control for himself. And for many of the warriors, this is what they've been waiting for. They they were no longer inhibited as a caste within the clan. They could now diabolize to their heart's content because vampiric blood was no longer poisonous to them. For the viziers and the sorcerers, who weren't at quite as crippled by the curse and who were culturally very against what Urshulgi was was proposing, they had to flee because if they didn't, they would be wiped out. So they fled their ancestral home. And for many of them, they had never been outside the Middle East. Remember, the warrior caste was the one that had the most, most contact with the Camarilla. The viziers and sorcerers didn't. And now they're the ones who are fleeing to the Camarilla. And they were being hunted by their former brethren. They had to go somewhere, so the Camarilla was the one place they could reliably go to, to find protection. Some did go to Africa among the Liban, but many of them went to the Camarilla and, and begged for sanctuary.
2: And one of the reasons, like, they obviously didn't know a lot about the Camarilla since they were in their little enclaves. All they knew is the Camarilla slapped us down once. Maybe they'll, they'll, they're the only guys we know who's ever beat us. So we got to go to anyone we know who has any strength. To kind of help us against the biggest baddest guy on the block now. And kind of through that, that's what leads them to the Camarilla in a majority. Now, that they're kind of new in the Camarilla, what do you think that they kind of do with their uh, their life here? How do they convince the Camarilla to uh, make everything work?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, (laughs) they're the one group that spied on the Camarilla. They know the most about the Camarilla. But beyond that, they're also the group that's been outside of the Camarilla. So they have a wealth of knowledge that the Camarilla doesn't have. I mean, mountains of knowledge. So a lot of things that the West has either forgotten about or doesn't know about, the Assamites have that in in spades because they have been outside of the Camarilla trekking with all these other groups in Asia and Africa. And this is the coin that they use to um, keep them safe from being hunted.
0: Just like in the dark age, well, not just the dark ages, but during the Crusades, when the Europeans went to take the Holy Land, they learned a whole boatload of knowledge that they didn't possess before. And when that cut it, when they lost that, when they went back and said, "Oh well, you know, forget the Holy Land," that you know they can have it. Fast forward to the modern knights, and you've got an entire clan with. Centuries, maybe millennia, of this knowledge that they don't possess— their skills, scholars, the sort, the the wizardry that they possess. I mean, come on, what Ventru Prince wouldn't want to be able to be like? Whoa, Tremere, you're not the only game in town anymore. And even a few warriors came with them. So who wouldn't want, you know, a sheriff or a scourge that was—that's an Asimite warrior? That is definitely a lot of bargaining chips in their favor.
1: Yeah,
2: and they have something to prove. It's, they're, they're not like that, uh, hey, I'm going to have this Tremere be my pawn for the next bit. He, he, he already has earned his stripes. These are people who have to succeed. These are people who have to do what's necessary to kind of gain the protection that they're going to need to survive the upcoming nights. Now, they weren't just given like a minor kind of acceptance like the Lasambra Anti, were they, Jen? Uh,
1: no. So the Assamites, they, they were the enemies of the Camarilla for a very long time. So unlike the Lasambra Antitribu who were they're like, oh okay, well we don't like the Sabat, but you guys aren't Sabat, so uh, we can kind of like let you guys in. The Asimites are have been just straight line. We don't like you. The Camarillas had to figure out a way of now bringing these guys in. Is it first of all, the Asimites are from a very different culture. Some of them are more Western, but the older ones are not. They are from the course of the Ashira, which is a very different culture than the Cameria. So to complicate all this is the fact that, well, in modern nights, human relations between the West and the Middle East aren't that great either, if you've turned the news on at all this week. Not good times between the West and the Middle East. And so this is all very complicated and muddy the waters. So the Assamites have had a lot of difficulty fitting into the Camarilla. I mean, let's face it. The Camarilla is part of the West and it's inherently racist. And there's, they're treated with a lot of suspicion. The Camarilla has, in some courts of the Camarilla, they worry that, oh, well, you're the Assamites who used to come spy on our courts and slip into our beds and slit our throats. You know, why should we let you in our domain? Like, what in the world are you going to give us that allows us to give you protection? But the thing is is the the Asimites have a lot of bargaining chips. You know, it you know, like I said, they bring a lot to the table. And a prince who can recognize that and can give them the protection that they seek will get a lot out of it. So I mean, an astomite like you mentioned, John, you can have an asthmite as a, a bodyguard or a sheriff. You can have Someone who can get you that rare esoteric knowledge that doesn't come with all the strings that a Tremere would. You, if you do something good for the Asimites, say you uh, you you give them protection against the uh, the Asimites from the mountain who are hunting them, the Web of Knives. They'll be loyal to you to a fault because you're protecting them. So there's a lot there that you know. In terms of role play, in terms of building story, the Astomites are a great asset in just about any court. But you you have to be willing to 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 take that risk,
0: right? And it's not like the Asamites haven't you know they haven't done their fair share, and you know, they've made great strides to fit in with the Camarilla. I mean, they have they have their own Justicar.
1: They have their own Justicar now. They're accepted in the inner circle. They're still their their numbers are small in the Camarilla. There's no denying that. And they are hunted. The Asimites of the mountain are still sending strike teams to hunt them down, and they have to constantly watch their backs. It's not like they haven't made a home for themselves here in the Camarilla.
2: When you're playing an Asimite, is there anything particular that you would need to think about? Like if you're playing a you you got to be like, I gotta know my clanmates. I gotta know that. Is there like a, a quick list of the things that I need to know about before I play an Asimite? Yes. Play Assassin's Creed. That's it. Done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, yes! um, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm okay. kidding. Okay. So, if you're one of these people who's like, oh my God, the Asomites, they sound so cool. I want to play one. How do I play one? Oh my God. Um, personally, Asimite is a fun clan. They're very, as you can see from our discussion, they're very versatile. You can play pretty much anything. You can be a holy warrior. You can be a diplomat. You can be a sorcerer, and you're still an Asimite So, you got a lot of things you can play in there. But I think one of the things, being a person who's playing an asthmite currently, one of the things uh, to keep in mind is that asthmites as a whole, they tend to serve the greater goals of the clan. And so their specializations will be in things that the clan needs. Anything they need to to accomplish that goal is what a, an asthmite will specialize in. And remember, we said they're a bit OCD about these things. For a new embracee, astomites often look for prospective neonates who bring across bring with them some skill or uh, or asset that they are very obsessed with. These are the type of people that make good Assamites. So maybe you're that guy who loves guns. Guns are cool. You want to know everything about guns and how guns work and the best guns and what guns to use in this situation, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, well, great. You can make a great Assamite warrior and sniper. Assamites tend to embrace people who are very skilled at what they do, very knowledgeable about what they do, and fulfill certain aspects that the clan needs.
0: From a player perspective, I definitely think the Asamites, yes, they are cool, they are versatile. Um, as I said, they were the second clan I ever played, and I fell in love with them. But there's also a lot of opportunity for rich and deep roleplay, due, just due to their history, their long and storied past. It is something that that is is just so... Rife with uh, possibility, you you have a lot to dig through and unpack, and you know you can as a new player you can even treat it as a learning curve. I mean, just take piece by piece, night by night, game by game, you just learn a little more and a little more and a little more, and then until you are just you are the Asimite you always wanted to be.
1: Exactly, and the thing with Asimites is you know I, we kind of talked a little bit earlier that you know in the first Clan Asamite Clan book. They were kind of pigeonholed a little bit. And there is a little truth to that because historically the Assamites have been centralized outside the Cambria, in that kind of Middle East, Central Asia, Africa area. So you will find that quite a few of them, yes, are Middle Eastern, but they can just as easily be Eastern European or Central Asian or Subcontinental Asian or African or Mediterranean. Pretty much anyone who's had any contact with that Middle East area, is a great historical context for you to build an Assamite. On top of which, the asemites have now been in the Camarilla close to 20 years. So they've been embracing people here. So if you're a neonate, if you're a new embracee, you could be from anywhere. You could be anyone from any walk of life in the Camarilla. It's not a clan that is just pigeonholed that you can only play Middle Eastern males. You can play all sorts of different kinds.
2: As we kind of talked about a little bit, but I want to kind of expand, there's so much in our real world history of our expansion of having to understand Muslim cultures because of the incredible wars that we've had against them (laughs) for most of our lives. And the idea of even the current refugee crisis creates a concept of the Asamites who are refugees. And you could take all these really interesting real world parallels and be able to expand them in this role playing scenario. You could take the aspect of, well, in your history, you could have been like, well, I went to go join the Camarilla, but they didn't trust me, so they put me in this holding camp for seven years. (laughs) You could bring up like, well, you know, I've been to seven cities. Well, why? Well, none of these people would let me. It was like I went to Greece and then I went to France and then I went to Germany. There's so much connection which is happening just by you turning on CNN. You can get these really interesting concepts of, the refugee status that the Assamites are currently in and them trying to find a home away from their home.
1: And not all Assamites are Muslims. Some are, are Jews, especially anyone who's from the Israel area or the Palestinian or, or pa- ancient Palestine. Um, some are ancient forms of Christianity, whoop, whoop, forms of Christianity that aren't practiced anymore. Some are even religions that don't Exist anymore, or aren't widely practiced anymore. So, I mean, there's all these great little avenues you can play in, so that it's not you're not just pigeonholed in uh, a character or a stereotype. You can really expand on this. I mean, one of the uh, great concepts I really liked was for an Assamite who was Exmasad agent. That ha- that dynamic in the clan and and that role that they played there's a lot of different things that you can be playing but the commonality between all of you is that you're all exiles you are all people who have been pushed out and you are far from home so i think that adds a lot of interesting dynamic because it doesn't just pigeonhole you into this is what an exile from the middle east looks like this no an exile can be anybody that has been pushed out when one, when one group takes power and uses it against another.
2: Like you absolutely could have been an Assemite just sitting at taking contracts in New York and then all of a sudden everything switches over and you're like, uh, well, I can't go home.
1: Exactly. And I, I think that brings a kind of poignant um, aspect to the Assemite role-playing because you know, you're like, I was just minding my business and now I can't go home. And that really brings home, I think... The, the very real world plight we see all the time nowadays. So I think, and it's very interesting. But yeah, I mean, Assamites aren't just assassins. You you can run all, all sorts of different concepts with an Assamite as long as it fits in this idea of we are obsessed with doing these particular things for the betterment of clan and to make ourselves more like Hakeem.
2: How about we expand a little bit also on the different ages and maybe the role-playing opportunities for being each of these ages of Assemites?
1: Yes.
2: When, when you kind of start off and you're like a fledgling Assemite, you could be anybody. You could be anything that any Ventru or Torador or Bruhar or anyone could embrace because they were kind of a sect amongst themselves. They needed every kind of tool they could get. One of the kind of nice things also about being a fledgling is you might have that opportunity where you are embraced Camerian. So this is all you've ever known, and you are just trying to kind of think keep things going and are kind of overwhelmed by the history of your past.
1: Yeah, and again, as a fledgling, you're probably going to be have been brought in for, like, particular skill sets. Maybe you're great with computers, because let's face it, if you're an old vizier who's only ever lived in Alamut your entire existence and you've come to America... And everything is digitized? Well, you better be finding someone who can use a computer. So maybe you got embraced because you were into computers or you're into business. What have you? As a fledgling, you have the ability to have skill sets that you bring to the table that the older um, exiles and refugees wouldn't have. So, But as a neonate, the fun thing with a neonate is... You may have been embraced just right before the schism or right after the schism. Um, or maybe you were, uh, you, you're, you've were you been around for a few decades. You're not quite old enough that you got set in your ways. But you still remember what things were like before you all had to hightail it out of Alamute. Um, so, but you, you were raised primarily in the West. That's your cultural mindset. So unlike your elders who remember, you remember the old world, remember the, remember the home country? I remember the home country, five. It was, those were good days before they ran us out of our home. You know, you are a child of the new world. And as a neonate, asamite who's a child of the new world, you have a very different perspective than say, you know, your sire who may have been an elder back in the Middle East.
0: And that brings us to the Incilla next that uh, you were one of the spies that were left out in the cold by the time of Alamut split. You were not raised in the Cameria, You might not even be from the West. And all of you, you go from being the spy among the wolf and sheep's clothing. You're getting all the secrets and you're feeding it back to the mountain. You're doing your job. And then suddenly the rug's pulled out from under you. So you have to shift from being the spy to being, yeah, I'm a member of the Camarilla now. Whoa. Well, okay. I'll I'll learn to deal with this. I I was brought up right.
2: Yeah,
1: I I think that's a fun one to play actually. That the idea of the spy who's brought in from the cold. Cuz you as an ancilla, that's the age you are when you're out doing the elder's bidding, you were just doing your thing. Like you said Patrick, you're in New York, you're taking your you're taking your jobs, you're doing your hits, and all of a sudden shit goes to hell and you're like, "Wait, what? Now I can't go home again?" Go ahead. I guess
2: I guess I see it also from kind of like a more kind of like a John Le Carre perspective. Yes, the idea of we were spies and now there's no war.
0: Exactly. It's not
2: that we're home. It's now that there's just no war, and everything I've trained for, and everything I've planned for, and all my enemies I have in my little black book are now the guys who are keeping me alive.
1: Yep, it's very much that John Le Carre. Aspect of there's no more war. I can't go back to the way things used to be. This is my norm now. These are my buddies.
0: That's a great. Huh. That's a great bit of, uh, of of role play insight there.
2: Now, then we get to the elders. The elders normally, if you're going to be playing the elders, you're going to have had already centuries of support and concept in your own societies. In the courts of the Ashira, you would have been just as prominent. As these elders of the Camarilla, you would have had all your connections and everything would have been great. And you would have had just this whole lifetime of experience of the utopia and the halcyon days of the past. And now you have to kind of leave that home. And one of the number of things elders don't like doing is change. Change hey, is James. bad. Yeah. And the fact that there is so few of you, the fact that you're in a society that is not necessarily going to be the most pleasant towards your race and your culture, and also normally by this time, you're looking inhuman. You cannot even like go and say, oh, well, I'll just uh, go meet some mortals in this location, and I'll try to learn the time here. No, you're a big black freak, and you're in this whole kind of weird alien kind of look. And in this kind of aspect, in this kind of you building a new society, you have to deal with the other vampires. You have to kind of connect with them. And when you're in this, what do you choose to do? You can either kind of give up or you can try to kind of fight the good fight. Now, there are remarkably few elders, and all the elders very quickly were signed up to high position powers in the Camarilla pretty much. So most of the time when you're going to be playing an Elder as just I'm paying the XP for it, you would have recently woken from Torpor and said, hey, guys, uh, where'd everybody go? Even the stepping stones of kind of getting there is going to be kind of a unique experience to kind of role play. Because normally, you, let's say you're playing the average Bruja Elder. You got all your Bruja buddies backing you. Everything's going great. You're an Asomite Elder. There's no structure for you to already be kind of having the support from your own uh, neonates have their own problems and your ancilla are being hunted by the web of knives, you have to be much more proactive than you would in almost any other clan.
1: Yeah. The character I'm playing right now is an Asimite Elder. Most proactive Elder I've ever seen. Because she has to be. You know, she's, her whole point is she's trying to establish the foundation for the other younger Asimites to be able to have find stability. And, and that's what a lot of Elders are doing in the Camarilla now.
2: Well... Now that we've kind of talked a little bit about every one of the uh, different ways that they can play, is there any particular uh, media that they should watch? Assassin's
1: Creed! Assassin's Creed. Apparently
0: Assassin's Creed comes up.
1: (laughs) I I had to drop that because you guys do not know, I mean Patrick and John know, but the rest of you do not know how much I love this video game series. And frankly, it's the series that screams Asomite in a lot of kind of good and bad ways. I think one of the cool things about it is it not only shows you how the warrior cast can kind of work, but it also shows you how the viziers and the sorcerers work as well. Because... It's truly about an organization of people who all work together around a common goal. Is not just a group of assassins going stabby, stabby, stabby. So you see the skilled diplomats, you see the engineers, you see the spies... I highly recommend recommend taking if you have not played the games you can go online you can find the cinematics of most of the games and kind of just watch through those they'll give you a great idea kind of also historically for our historical perspective that might lend some some authenticity for your um, for your asmite.
2: Okay, well, now that we uh, obviously video games as you said not everyone's great with video games sometimes to watch the cinematics is there anything particular that people could watch maybe who are just used to movies well
0: also well dealing with uh spy movies are great when you're dealing with something like older neonates or ancilla from their spying days uh, a lot of the cold war intrigue films are are fantastic for that kind of stuff um, i would even say just for like the day-to-day operations you've got you know man from uncle any of the, th- the tv shows from the 60s would have been fantastic obviously James Bond is huge you know dealing with those russians
1: um i would also highly recommend anything that is from john le carre or graham green I, I and this is just me I, I mean i love a good bond movie i do but but i feel like to really get to the nitty gritty of the life of a spy and some of that espionage stuff though you can't go wrong with john le carre
0: you know and even a um, a modern example to throw out their um, atomic blonde—that's that's oh, definitely a yeah, female a asomite.
2: Well, I and I think born is a good idea of about being out of your own skin. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now, now, Jen has a lot of geekery that she loves in particular ways, and I have a movie that I love particularly well that deals with the Middle East, and it deals with the Middle East in kind of the worst and the best of it. Um, for example, like there's not a woman in the entire movie. Um, and it's Lawrence of Arabia because it gives you the nature of what they've lost. The idea of these vast, beautiful dunes, the idea of a strong society that is trying to kind of connect to their past and the idea of being manipulated and pulled by forces beyond their control and seeing those kind of vibes and those kind of connections will give you that strong Ancilla or Elder aspect of we've lost this and we've made our own failures and we, we, we've we listened to the wrong Elders and we supported the wrong scenarios. Now that we've made – this is what I can hold in the back of my mind is the gem that makes it that we are worthy. We are strong. We do have this great legacy even if you don't know it.
1: And I feel like Lawrence of Arabia also lays the geopolitical groundwork for you to understand, first of all, just where we are as a culture and as a society and as a world in terms of the West and the Middle East and our relations, because it is very complicated and but it also for Clan Asimite, you kind of see it it gives you a groundwork of kind of the Camarilla-Assamite feud. Why is it the Assamites had such an antipathy towards the Camarilla? And what are the Camarilla stereotypes of the Assamites? I mean, I think, you know, especially when you're seeing the scenes of interaction between the British, the British officers and these tribal chieftains and leaders, these great men of, of these uh, Arab tribes and that conflict between them, you get to see, like, wow, okay, I see where the, these conflicts are lying, and dang, this is not pretty.
2: Now, that's a lot of the kind of books that you would read and the kind of the things that you would kind of deal with outside of it. What kind of White Wolf books should I kind of delve myself into to kind of learn more about this, John? The Clan Asimite
0: Clan Book, uh, first edition, and there's also the revised edition.
1: I said do both of them.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Read both of them, definitely. You've got, like Patrick said, the first one is definitely the, the boogeyman aspect. It kind of gives you a warrior-centric view. And then the revised edition is a little bit more broad. It, it opens it up for you as terms of, uh, like, vizier and sorcerer. And, and, and really kind of goes deeper into the, what is it about the old man of the mountain? And how do I do this clan?
2: Now, there's a Dark Age book called Liber Sanguinas 3, um, Wolves at the Door. And well, it's, it's a really interesting book to read, but the most important part to think about it is it's at the moment that White Wolf's trying to kind of expand what Asimites are going to be. So it's not perfectly solidified, like the Viziers are actually the sorcerers and there's only two casts at the time. And there's a lot of kind of stuff that, read it for the history and don't expect the mechanic at all to kind of bring you to a modern era.
1: I also highly recommend Veil of the Night, one of my favorite books. It's all about the courts of the Ashira, and you can read about how the Bani Hakim fit into the courts of the Ashira, and the role that, that they played in Ashira society before the schism. This is a Dark Ages book, but you kind of get a flavor for what the Asmites lost.
0: A personal favorite of mine, The Blood Sacrifice, the Thaumaturgy Companion book, contains the information on Durin Ka,
1: during key. The Asamite sorcery
0: yeah. during Key, yeah, Asimite sorcery. It's got a lot of good flavor as far as um, how they use the magic. Like Patrick said, it's it's not necessarily Hermetic blood magic. It's it's older than that, and you and you can really dig it deep into that one with that book.
2: Okay, well, I think we've given a, a really detailed aspect on one of the harder clans to understand. And uh, even though it's difficult, even don't feel afraid to try it as your first try. Um, I know a lot of people who have played Asimite as their very first character. And because there's so much written, you kind of have a lot to go back to. Instead of some clans who are just like, you're kooky or you're whatever. and You're not going to get a lot of meat on the bone. This is going to give you back as much as you put into it. Absolutely.
1: I'm having fun with it.
2: All right, everybody. Well, thank you. Thank you so
0: much for joining us for this first clan episode. I think we gave you quite a lot of food for thought. And, you know, like Patrick said, don't be afraid of trying an Asimite. If you can, it might be right up your alley.
2: Well, thank you all. And uh, thank you for having
0: me on. Well, thank you for joining thank us, Patrick, you. as always. Yes. All right. Well, until next week, this is John.
1: I'm Jen. This
0: is Patrick. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
1: And if you want to get a hold of us outside of our normal podcast hours, you can find us at Podcast By Night on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at By Night Podcast. Or you can email us with any questions, thoughts, uh, opinions, you know, anything you want to communicate to us. You can do that at night at gmail.com.